Hello everyone and welcome to the Commander Clash Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and you're probably wondering, wait, where's Tomer this week? Tomer is apparently in the midst of a nationwide internet outage with his service provider, so uh, at the last minute, no Tomer. So I'm filling the Tomer role today, and uh, we got a fun one. We're going to be doing a secret rendezvous tier list. Uh, If you know Commander Clash, you know, some of us are like the biggest fans of secret rendezvous, and this is a whole list of cards that essentially work like Secret Rendezvous. They benefit you in one other opponent, so they're not group hug cards. Uh, They're cards that just help you in a single person to give you a little bit more control over it, so we are going to be tier listing a whole bunch of these cards today, which should be pretty interesting, but before we get into it, we gotta introduce our co-host. First off, we have uh, the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? I heard you needed someone to talk about Secret Rendezvous. I'm here. <laughs> yeah, that's... I, the, the, the bat symbol was flashing up, you know, Secret Rendezvous <laughs> podcast. Let's go. Oh, boy. It's, it's Richard's, <laughs> Richard's time to shine, indeed. We, yeah. also, we also have another co-host. And Krem, uh, Krem, I don't think you're the biggest Secret Rendezvous fan, but it should still be an interesting uh, topic. How are you today? I'm great. I am great. I can't wait to talk about all these cards. <laughs> So, uh, so, you've seen our tier list before. We've done a few of them. Essentially, the idea is we're going to rank cards from S tier down to D tier. S tier is like auto include, play it every place you can. A tier, good in a lot of decks. B tier, good in some decks, a small percentage of decks. C tier, filler cards or maybe budget cards. And then D tier, don't play them. Try to come from your deck list. Try to discard them to your gamble. So that's our ranking system. So we're going to jump into the cards in just a minute. But before we do, we got a sweet play mat for sale for a limited time only. You can go over to mtgoldfishmerch.com. Richard uh, got one early somehow. Ooh, he's got the with the foil signatures. Ooh. There's actually three three options. You can get the foil signatures for the full Commander Clash experience. We also uh, have a couple of other options. You can get play mats and get bags with them. Super, super sweet. So head on over to MTG goldfishmerch.com we're using this to support a trip out to uh not gp vegas magic 30th anniversary vegas and uh in october this uh this fall so if you want to see us in vegas pick up a play mat come and bring it to vegas and we'll sign it and play some commander with you so you can get it until the end of july over mtggoldfishmerch.com and with our sponsorship stuff out of the way let's jump into our tier list and let's start with the card that made this whole tier list happen which is actually kind of two cards i cheated a little bit richard what are the first cards we're uh, we're ranking today all right secret rendezvous white white generic three mana value sorcery you and target opponent each draw three cards and then a, a newer card your temple's under attack two and a white instant uh, choose one creatures you control gain indestructible or you and target opponent each draw two cards uh, so we'll start with a secret rendezvous oh i saw some real-time updates uh so i have it as s seth has downgraded from s into a Krim has put it at c I, blasphemy. I, ha- I had i would give it a d to be honest with you but you know for, for the sake of this podcast i will give it a c it's it's the title card of the podcast. <laughs> why, that's why it gets a C. Actually, that's higher higher than I thought. Krim would rank it. If Tomer was here, he'd be giving it a D or an F for making up some letter. I would try just to, to give it just... an F. <laughs> yeah. For me, I I had it as S originally, but then I was thinking about our list and how we actually have the criteria. And S is auto include in all decks. 
I don't quite see Secret Rendezvous as an auto-include in all decks. I'm auto-include in all white decks, mono-white decks in specific, in some two-color decks, but I'm not quite to the Richard stage where if I'm playing, like, Esper or something, there's no way I'm... I, I, I haven't gotten to that point where I'm going to put a Secret Rendezvous in the deck if I have blue card draw or some of the other good card advantage colors. But, Richard, you're you're at that point, right? You have five-color Secret Rendezvous deck. Like, go for it. Every deck has a secret rendezvous if it has white, right? Every de- like, do you guys realize how rare a three mana draw three unconditional is in Magic? You have painful truths, and then that's it, yeah. right? You have Ristic Study if you want to draw over time, but like that's it, right? Like all the other ones come with severe um, downside. Like your maximum hand size is three. Uh, you need the city's blessing, like stuff like that, right? So a three mana draw three. Is so above rate that I don't know why you wouldn't just slam it in every deck. Um, and then, of course, you can do shenanigans with the things you give your opponents. You can make an ally. You can give it to someone who's dying. You can give it to someone who can't do anything with it, like their hand is already full. Uh, so I think it's really good. A three-mana draw three. I don't know why you would not put in every deck. I remember a few a few months ago when you first brought this up, or maybe longer than that now, maybe it's been like a year, I was looking at this from a very 60-card uh, perspective. I don't want to say spike perspective, but from the perspective of someone who plays a lot of standard or modern, and the idea that I would want to give my opponents cards, and I'm the one that's spending the mana, and I'm kind of drawing one less card because I'm the one spending the card, like, it blew my mind that that would be good, but then Richard kept harping on it and harping on it and bringing it up, and now we've seen it in action a lot of times on Commander Clash, and I don't think I've seen it backfire once. Like, Every single time, it's a draw three, and I'm pretty sure every single time, the fact that you're giving your opponent the three cards has not mattered. I've seen opponents just going to hand size because of those cards. You're giving the cards to someone who's got two lands, and they're not doing anything anyway, so what does it matter if they got some extra cards? So in practice, it really is a painful truce that doesn't really cost you any life, which is incredibly powerful. So I, I would have ranked this like a D a year ago, and now I'm up to A, and I don't know, maybe I end up getting to uh, to the S tier eventually. What about you, Grim? Why why do you have this ranked as a C? Does it believe a card uh, drop? I, I have I have to put it at C because Richard said that if I don't, I'm going to get fired. No, 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 no. Uh, That's why Tober's um, not here. He, he's trying to pull yeah. a D on me. He's gone. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's the real reason why Tober's not here, and I'm willing to tell you all the story. No. Okay, uh, so I pretty much would give the card a, a like I have it ranked pretty low, but that's because I think it's playstyle. Uh, in playstyle, like okay. You kind of touched upon it earlier, but I don't think it's like necessarily like sixty card. It is like just the the, the decks and the playstyle I like playing, which is actual denial. The hardest thing about denial is if you give them something, right? It's like, hey, imagine if the Jun deck let you draw five cards and it's trying to one for one, right? Like, I, I I'm I'm not gonna let you draw cards because I just spent the f- whole like batch of my last few turns countering some spells or maybe discarding or removing you know what i mean i i don't know if i want to do that even if i'm also refilling my own hand right because if my game plan is to one for one you down and out of the game i don't and especially in commander the last thing i want to do is help you draw three cards so I do not like, and especially on my turn, even if it's just three mana, let's just say that, the fact that it is still sorcery speed is kind of like a nuisance. 
So oh, that is but, that is why I do not like that. And that's I'll, I'll give you a sixty based. card analogy. Okay, let's say you're playing Tron, and okay. I'm playing. Jund. I would never. Okay. okay. You can give me all the cards I want. I can never beat you. <laughs> right? So, so in Commander, this would be, let's say you're playing Esper Control. You have a grip right. full of sweepers. You give the Kithkin players some cards. They play more Kithkin. You sweep them away. No harm, no foul. <laughs> right? Like, if, the, there's a person stuck on two mana. You give them some cards to discard the hand size. Right? There's, there's always some way to give it to someone who cannot leverage it to, to kill you without even making a deal. Right, if you really are ambitious, you can try to make a deal to like guarantee it. But there's always someone who like can't do something. Right, they are playing an attacking death. You have four maze of its and a propaganda. Like they're not doing anything to you. Right, so yeah. And plus, I, I don't. Aren't you always gonna have a Narsat Krim? Aren't you always gonna have a Notion Thief? That's a reason I expect you to like this card. Ooh. Is it like combos with with some oh, of your Notion favorite cards? Essentially, <laughs> hold, hold on, I am three mana on my turn, draw like giving you cards, right? Like that. That's not how that works. I don't. I don't want to do that. So again, that is like you know that I like just passing, right? And there's no nothing for me to like worry about. I don't do anything unless it's on your turn, <laughs> or ideally. So. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, sure, maybe give the Kithkin deck more Kithkin to draw. That makes sense. But even then, I don't know if I want to do that, right? Like, like I just, I, I feel like if I'm playing a control deck, I already have other ways to draw cards attached to, like, let's say, a Decree of Pain, where I sweep the board and I refill my hand. And and it's just because, like, usually the way I play, it's counter, it counters what I would normally do. So that's why I just don't, I'm just not high on the card. And I will right. say that if you look at uh, your temple is under attack, the second part of this question, yeah. that uh, it, it's it's essentially secret rendezvous, except it's two cards instead of three, and you have the option of protecting your creatures, making them indestructible instead of drawing cards. Most importantly, it's instant speed. Krim, you actually have that one ranked pretty highly. Uh, what what changes that? Is the instant speed part? Is that what sells you on uh, on your temple is under attack? It's instant speed absolutely very important uh and then on top of that it itself can be something that isn't just going to be like hey you draw two i draw two it's the ability to protect my creatures so even if i'm not in a control deck let's say now i'm in an aggro deck like my humans deck or something like that i'm a-okay with it because i don't have to do it on my turn it's a combat trick at the very uh at the very least and if i absolutely have to I will let you draw two cards. <laughs> if I, and we're talking like I'm, dr you're dragging me kicking and screaming. I will, okay, sure. I will play this because you can draw something. So I have this at a A, and uh, I think it's actually arguably better than Secret Rendezvous uh, because it is instant speed and because you can use it to protect your creatures, which is a huge upside. The surprise rating, though, is uh, Mr. Secret Rendezvous himself. A B, Richard. A B. Why do you like your temple is under attack so much less than Seeker Rendezvous? Are you excited to cast a divination? <laughs> a three mana draw two. You net one card. Divination like, that's not... sorcery. It's true. Uh, it's, okay, instant, instant speed, speed divination is not an exciting card, right? Do you play Sign in Blood? Do you play Knight's Whisper? Like, okay. Like, Secret Rendezvous is a three-mana draw three. That's exciting. This is still... I give it a B. You know, you can play it. If you're mono-white, you'll play it. But would I put it in a two-color deck? Probably not. Uh, am I excited to pay three mana for indestructibility? Not really. 
right? Like, it, it's okay. It's passable, right? And chances are, I'd probably get greedy, right? I'd probably try to draw two into my Teferi's Pro and another card, right? <laughs> to, to kind of get it done. So I don't see using the indestructible side that much. And Divination is not as exciting. The, the instant speed part is good, but you're white. Like, what are you going to do at instant speed anyway? Nothing. Uh, and also, the, the, the one thing is it turns on Sunforger. Right? Oh. You can Sunforger this thing into card draw. So that is a very valid use case for it. But I don't think it's anywhere close to Secret Rendezvous. I think it's still a decent card, but like... It's leagues better. I would not right. play it in five-color decks or even like most two-color decks, right? Well, so, I wouldn't play Secret Rendezvous <laughs> in a five-color deck anyways, right? Like, you, put this, you put this as S? You would put your temple I, is I, under I, attack I, in every deck? I would play this if it has white because it's versatility. I don't look at this as just a divination I look at this as a charm, right? Like it this is, is a charm, charm. but and like and kind of charms mediocre. are. <laughs> it, look, look, the flexibility in that I don't have to let you draw cards makes it already great, right? Like <laughs> I I can protect my board, which I like infinitely more. But you um, could just play uh, flawless maneuver and cast sure. it for free. <laughs> Redundant deal with this if you're never going to use the other part of it, right? Redundancy and and yeah, like sure, maybe I need to refill. That's the nice it's a charm and that's what yeah. it is. I'm with I'm with Grim. I'm with Grim. I think Richard maybe you're underrating the protecting your board part of it. That's that's kind of where I'm at because if you look at EDH rack and the white staples, yes, Teferi's protections number 1 if you want to protect your board. Yes, flawless maneuvers number 2, but cards like unbreakable formation, rootborn defenses, these other 3 mana do a little thing, make my team indestructible. Those are legitimate white staples. Like their decks that are, uh, those are cards that a lot of decks actually play. So I think from that perspective, I really like it. Like if I'm choosing between this and unbreakable formation as the third way to like protect my team from a, a wrath and a creature deck, I think I would choose your temple is under attack. Like, I, it might not be the best at what it does, but I think it's better than some of the other options that are seeing play. Hmm? Like, hmm? what am I trying no, to draw okay. into? It's a B. It's playable. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> it's playable, like, but not anywhere as close to Secret Rendezvous. Like, like, usually, if I get targeted with Secret Rendezvous, I want to draw, like, and I'm playing a mono white or some kind of aggro deck, I'm trying to draw into a protection spell anyways. Why not have my draw spell potentially be the protection spell? Yeah. So so let's let's move on. That's secret rendezvous. That's your temple is under attack. Next up, we have not one, not two, but three cycles of cards that we're going to talk about together. The first one is the friend or foe cycle. A crim. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that cycle? Okay. So the whole friend or foe cycle is a cycle of cards that allows you to pick friend or foe. And then it goes around the table, and it usually has a different mode. Uh, for for the sake of just a card, I'm going to choose Peer's Whim. Uh, three and a green for each player. Choose friend or foe. Each friend searches their library for a land card, puts it onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffles their library. Each foe sacrifices an artifact or enchantment they control. So it's like one big modal spell uh, that kind of scales with the more people at the table. Uh, and the this cycle is actually okay like i think some of the cards are like still like pretty decent uh but you know not i don't know i don't think any there's like any like card that's like absurdly strong like if i think of Piers whim i maybe give it a b uh it can be useful uh but i i don't i don't know it doesn't seem like it's going to take over the game or win the game or anything uh and it just seems perfectly okay 
Yeah, so so the cycle, I think it's interesting. We all gave Piers Wims Bs. Other than that, uh, Corvass Fury got a couple of Cs. That's one that, uh, you, for five mana in red, you can wheel anyone you want to wheel. Uh, or you can have that player take damage equal to the number of cards in their hand. So that one's got a couple of Cs. Otherwise, we have most of these. I guess Virtus, uh, Virtus's Maneuver, the black one, also is is kind of popular. It's got a couple of Cs in there. Uh, for each friend, they return a creature from the graveyard to their hand. For each foe, that player has to sack a creature for three mana in black at sorcery speed. So I think, for me, the problem with these cards in general is they're a little bit overcosted. I like how they work, but a lot of them, their effects are just a tiny bit too much. I think Piers Whim is the biggest exception. It's one of those cards that I have it be as a card that's only good in certain decks, because I think it's pretty valuable in a deck that's trying to search up specific non-basic lands. That's a big upside of that card, is it doesn't say basic lands. So if you're trying to set up Dark Depths, Urborg, plus Cabal Coffers, any of those land-style combos, trying to assemble Tron in Commander, uh, or maybe your opponent has something good, and you're going to snag your Vesuva and copy their Flip Dousing Dagger or something, then I think it's a pretty good card. Otherwise, the cycle just seems like... Pretty much every card is, like, one more mana than I want to pay for. If they each cost one less mana, I think we'd see these cards a lot, lot more in Commander. As they are, they're okay, they're kind of fun, but definitely far from staples, in my opinion. But what do you think about these, Richard? Yeah, I like Pierce Whim. I gave it a B, and then the rest are all Ds and Cs. Like, I think they're stone unplayable. Um, so Pierce Whim, I think, Seth hit. The, the mode you get for yourself, four mana, tutor any land, is actually quite powerful, Right. And if you're trying to get some depth, like you can go for five mana value, you can get um, our promise or whatever. Right. But like that's this is it. Right. So you can get up Maze of it. You can give back Feel of the Dead or whatever. You can make up that mana. The full part is bad. You just mildly annoy everyone. Right. Like for all these cards. Right. You get like some overcosted upside for you and either you're group hugging the table or you just mildly annoy everyone without doing anything useful. Right, so Piers Whim is they sack an artifact or enchantment. Maybe you get a good one. Maybe they sack a treasure. Who knows? Uh, so I, I just don't like these cards. They're over costed. You're paying for this flexibility, and the flexibility is not good. Right? Like I, I guess I in if- the ideal case, like your friend is off a of land, and they have onto inversion or something, so you can ramp them, and they can untap an onto inversion or something. But it's like a lot of hoops for like, you know, not much payoff. I, I I think the if they go any or like if the card was any cheaper though it might be too strong, right? Like like they they this is this is one of the cycles where I think it is overcosted. But if it's any cheaper, it's also busted. Not busted, but just too strong. That that might be true. That might be true because you do have complete control over it. And one thing I worry about with these cards is. It feels like they're worded like Secret Rendezvous, where you can give an opponent something, but in reality, how often are you going to choose the positive mode for an opponent? I worry that like 95% of the time, you're going to just be like, oh, I can land all you sacrifice and artifact and enchantment, which makes it not often a Secret Rendezvous. So that's the one thing I kind of dislike about it, is it doesn't actually force you to do anything that benefits an opponent. Obviously, it makes the card better that way, but it does... Yeah, it is a little bit straight. It reads like group hug, but I don't think it's actually going to play like a secret rendezvous all that often. It's a uh, designed multiplayer card. So Watsy has made the mana value reflect that. 
One one other quick question before I move on to the next one. The other one that we have ranked kind of highly is Virtus's Maneuver. Krim and I gave it Bs. Richard gave it a C. Richard, I'm kind of curious of your opinion. Uh, three mana, each friend gets to return a creature from their graveyard to your hand. Each foe sacks a creature. You're someone who sold me on Skullwinder. This reminds me a little bit of Skullwinder. Obviously restricted and you don't get a body on the battlefield. But is there any Skullwinder vibes that maybe make this a card that we should be reevaluating for playing in our decks? So if I had a card that was three mana sorcery, return a creature to my hand. What is that, like a Gravedigger? <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah. Would you play this? Like this, this effect is so mediocre that like, I don't care to give it to my opponent too, right? Like it, it has to be something... I want to play like if it was a reanimate like a one man reanimate for my friends or something then you know we're talking right but like if you remove the political aspect of this this card is so mediocre like I don't really like it and again like yeah you can make your opponent sack things but what are the odds that it's like super relevant right so maybe if you're playing a sack you know like some kind of like sack deck or uh, forcing your opponents to sack things maybe it's okay but it's just so so mediocre <laughs> I like the removal though, and it's. I think this is actually fairly costed when you think about like how many, how many sack effects there are. They're usually around two to three mana. You can potentially get like a person to sack something, and then maybe get somebody else, like you and them, to get something back. I don't know. Yeah, it's and, it's not bad. And I mean, it is a. I mean, at its base, it is a four for one. Four for one. You cast this, you get back a card. Each opponent's going to sacrifice something. It's only three mana. This one, to me, seems like one of the most fairly <laughs> costed of the cards in this cycle. When I read, like, five mana, like, Wheel of Fortune, I'm just like, my eyes glaze over. I'm like, no, I'm not going to pay five for that. But this one, as Krim said, like, three mana for editing everyone and maybe, like, raise deading something back to your hand. I don't know. That doesn't seem unfairly costed to me. This is the card I think I might... I'm going to have to check if it's on Moto. Assuming it's on Magic Online, I think <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. one that I'm actually going to gonna throw into some of my decks and see, because it feels close to being good to me. It's technically a 4 for 1, but like a Wrath is like a 20 for 1, so is every Wrath S-tier, or like, yeah. well, can I show you Barter in Blood? Like, every opponent, or each player sacks two creatures? Like, yes, it's a 6 for 1, or whatever the heck that is, right? But, like, do you really want this, though? Like, yeah, what if they yep. just sack their plant token and... <laughs> They're a random Kithkin token or something. Like, I don't know, right? Like, you, you actually need to be building around this the sack thing, right? Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean... You play this to get back your Skullwinder, then you Skullwinder back the Virtus' maneuver, then you do... <laughs> then you get him. You, you got him. <laughs> it's a very long, drawn-out loop, but it is... <laughs> All right, let's let's move on to our next cycle. Our next cycle is, I think, one that I've seen slightly more in our commander games, and that's the offering cycle. So the offering cycle, uh, headlined by let's go let's go with the green one. I think that's the one I've seen the most. Sylvan offering. So this is a cycle of sorceries where you choose an opponent and you and that person do something, and then you choose an opponent, and you and that person do something else. So you could choose the same opponent twice. I guess you just read the card. That's probably the easiest way to describe it. So Sylvan Offering, green and X Sorcery, choose an opponent, you and that player each create an XX green tree folk creature token, and then choose an opponent, you and that creature each create X11 green elf warrior creature tokens. So you cast this for six mana. You're going to get a 5-5 five, five and 5-1-1s. Five, one, You're also going to give 
the rest of the table of five five and five one ones, but you get to choose which person gets it. You, I could give them all to Richard. I could give Richard the five five, Krim the one ones. So this is a cycle that I think has potential to be strong. Sylvan offering I actually have is an A. Maybe that's overrating it a little bit, but I've really come around to the idea of cards that can just add a bunch of power to the table to multiple people are pretty valuable in Commander because you can take advantage of the turn order. That's something I've learned from the from the Haunted Cycle, where one of the problems with uh, your cards a lot of times is they don't have haste, and you're trying to attack, like, the arch enemy, and you play your creature, and you gotta wait all the way around the table to do something with it, but with a card like Sylvan Offering, you can hopefully target the person who is going to be going next. They're going to untap. They're going to have all these creatures. They're not going to be summoning set because they've already been on the battlefield and they can immediately start getting in those attacks. So these are cards that I've become high on in Commander. Not that they're really staples, I don't think, but I think they're cards that are much, much better than a lot of people give them credit for. So I have it at A. Richard has it as B. Uh, or Krim has it as B. Richard has it as C. Uh, there's one other one that we kind of like, uh, Volcanic Offering. I think otherwise we get all Z's. Vol- Volcanic offering, Richard has C, I have B, I Krim has... I offerings, not bad. Krim has A. Volcanic offering is a five-mana instant. Destroy a non-basic land you don't control. And target non-basic land of an opponent's choice you don't control. And deal seven damage to a creature you don't control. And seven damage to a creature you don't control of an opponent's choice. So what do you guys think about this cycle? Where, where are we at with the offering cycle? Uh, so I actually think now the friend of froze cycle is one that we just talked about. Like I, those are kind of meh. The, these I feel are a bit overcosted themselves, but they're actually kind like the volcanic offering card specifically. I think is nice. Uh, instant speed, five mana, destroy target, non basic land. Like that. That's Krim that's, loves his instance. <laughs> I love my instance. I do. If it's for the that's most a part. Five mana read. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you get to kill creatures. It's double stone rain, double yeah. removal, right? But. Yeah, that makes it much better. Because think about all the problematic lands you can pick off. Like, let's just say an Urborg or something. Uh, there, there's tons of those. Uh, there's tons of lands you want to try to deal with. And this deals with it. And then it also gets a creature out of the way. That's amazing. Like, sign me up for that at instant speed. Like, if I'm going to use a spot removal slot, and I and I like, why not pick off a land and a creature simultaneously? I think this is paper value again, right? So when you fire this off, right, you're going to have something in mind like, oh, they're comboing off. Let me kill their creature. And then you're just going to hit two random lands for value that you didn't care about, right? And then technically you did some stuff, but like you didn't really care about it, right? Like you didn't really care about getting this four for one. You just wanted to kill one thing and then some stuff incrementally died along the way so but the incremental value does add up does it not and and like let's go with be let's be honest here but you played mana for what what if you just played a doom blade and killed the thing you wanted to kill rather than paying five mana and just randomly sniping lands you don't care about right like but magic keeps making better lands right so i feel like at some point we hit a critical mass where any random land being killed is better than no random. Like, but it's the other way not. around then, right? Then you just play Strip Mine and kill that land for free rather than sniping creatures for fun on the way out, right? Like, But you got mana. to snipe creatures. That's good value. That's good value. <laughs> I mean, 
one thing I like about it is seven damage is a lot for a red spell. Like, one thing red struggles with is killing bigger things, and seven's enough that you should be able to deal with most things, right? Like, that, that's, right. that's a pretty... Oh, that's, that's only six. That's only six. How are you going to deal with my, I don't know, something with seven toughness? Uh, but that's not bad. You're killing two things, kind of four things if you count the lands. I don't think it's a staple, but I don't think it's stone unplayable either. Like... I don't right. know. I need to put it's that a good in a pre-con B. upgrade. <laughs> it's, a, it's a B now. It's a B. You, you've talked me down. I would say nice paying, things about it. You're paying it. for this flexibility and these abilities, right? You're paying right. like fair value. I would, I would consider these fair value cards. You're not getting any like exceptional deal on it. And it's like, okay, right? It's not like embarrassing to play, but it's not like, oh, yes, you know, I cheated and like did this amazing thing, right? It's like, no, I paid five mana and killed like a bunch of things and cool. What about what about the green one? Like, uh, where are you guys at with just giving your opponents creatures? No, just like I, 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 I like I like the green one because those exact reasons that you had mentioned. Like, I the, the ability to abuse the turn order is often quite nice, and also choosing who gets the like massive amount of like creatures is also great. Like giving the deck a bunch of one, like control deck a bunch of one ones. Who cares, right? Or or one big threat. Who cares? And and or maybe you need to increase the clock. I don't know. I like it. It's not the greatest. It's not the greatest. But it is, like, I like it as much as I like Volcanic Offering. Uh, the one that I, I actually like more than the green one is, they're all rated B now, but I think it's probably Infernal Offering and or Volcanic Offering. But What is Infernal so, Offering? Infernal Offering, 5 mana sorcery. Choose an opponent. You and that player each sack a creature. Each player who sacks a creature draws two cards. Choose an opponent. Return a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield, and then that player returns one from their graveyard to the battlefield. Okay. So a little yeah. uh, edict slash reanimation. I'll throw in Tomer here. He really likes Intellectual Offering, which is 5 <laughs> mana, blue instant seeker rendezvous. Choose an opponent. You and that player each draw three cards. And Does then the other like ability is untap all non-land uh, permanence you control and that player controls. He really likes that for some reason and not Secret Rendezvous. How, um, how wait, do you rank no, does that he, one, Grim? Are, are you, are you no, trolling? He actually, uh, he actually does he, like this one. Does like this. I've heard him say it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> It's instant. Oh, do you like this, Grim? It is instant. Well, the, it's the latter half. Untap all non him. Yeah, like if you're going to combo yeah. or do something weird with untapping, then sure. But like as a value card, it's really weird. <sighs> Five mana draw three is not very efficient it's not, it's not where it's at <laughs> i mean that's it's, it's your it does go up to b though i think all of these are very much so a b because the untap all your your non-land permanents or wait hold on is it non-land or it is non-land no it's no land you don't you don't get your mana back it stays at a c hold on hold on okay hold on this actually might be non-land this is so much worse. Hold on. Why does Tomer like well, you this? You can untap your mana dorks or something. I don't know, yeah. right? You can untap your combo pieces. I, I don't know. Like you, I'm sure you can combo with this in some way, right? But I wouldn't just jam sure. it in a random deck. Like, like I, yeah, the, it's the latter half. It's not the draw three. I guess you get to draw three on top of it, which is nice. But, like, you're, you're, you're not untapping your lands. So this definitely feels like something that's great in, like, a Simic deck. Or or a uh, a deck that's just loaded with rocks. So, I, yeah. I, this one actually doesn't feel great compared to the others. Like you can shenanigans, you can like choose an opponent to untap all their blockers or something, and like get a surprise block in or something, right? But yeah, it's like 
It's yeah. kind of mediocre. Uh, Sylvan Offering is super mediocre. I don't know. Oh, really? So, so think of the power you're getting, right? So let's say you pay five mana. You get eight power. That's like kind of mediocre. That's not even that good. Now, the problem is you give an opponent creatures... And yeah, they can like haste kill someone, but now you have a cleanup problem that you're like, it's hard to deal with, right? Because you gave them tall and wide, right? So now that the opponent's dead, you got to clean this up. And like, how do you clean this up, right? You you need like a little sweeper and a doom blade or something. Like it's it's kind of hard to clean up. It's, and it, it's kind of, and you got to tap yourself out. You got to like, you know, like you're tapping yourself out to make like, you know, big creatures. So it's... It's actually kind of mediocre, although I like the theory of giving your opponents creatures. The the argument I would have in favor of this is I actually think this is one of the only offerings that's actually super efficiently costed. Like, the way it scales is pretty good for, like, one green and X to make that many 1-1s and make a big creature with that power and toughness. If you compare that to other things that make tokens, like... I think they're counting giving your opponents to creatures is a pretty meaningful downside with this one. Like, it actually seems like Wizards is costing this in a way where they're viewing that as a big drawback when, if yeah. you look at it as an upside, which maybe I'm wrong to look at it that way, I don't know, like, just the amount of power and toughness you get compared to mana value is really good for Sylvan Offering. But you are right. Like, you are giving someone a bunch of tokens, and even though maybe that's good for the immediate future, like the next turn cycle... Long-term, those tokens could end up being a problem. We've even seen, like, the plants from Dowsing Dagger blocking one of your things for a turn. Like, so that doesn't usually happen, but there are times when that ends up being a drawback eventually as well. So that that is a fair point, but I still think Sylvan Offering, oh, it's just so much power and toughness. It would be for better mana. if it was the same thing, like two XX tokens or, like, double the one ones. Because your deck is typically go tall or go wide. Like, you don't need this right? like it kind of messes with you right either you're a big deck or a wide deck and this gives you both so i'd rather just condense that power into the same type i, I think what you do is so you give the person who you want to be attacking all the one the ones and then give the person who's yeah, going to yeah. be dying the big thing and hopefully the one ones like overwhelm the person that has a big token and then at least it gets that one off of the table i don't know if it'll actually work out that way but in my mind that's like the dream scenario with this card i think like the problem is all these cards require political maneuvering right like like <laughs> if, if you don't have friends at the table like this card is like hot that's, trash that's true right true. whereas i would argue a card like secret rendezvous you can still maneuver it like in the right way even if no one agrees with you same with, like, Skullwinder and things like that. There, mm. there are ways to make these cards work mm. without everyone cooperating. But if people don't cooperate with mm. this thing, like, you are dead on the spot, right? So it's a little oh. risky. That's actually, that's a that's a really good point I can't thought of. Like, picture yourself being the arch enemy seat. You can probably cast a secret rendezvous and get value out of it, even if you're the arch enemy. If you're the arch enemy, you're probably not going to be able to get value out of a Sylvan offering because you're not going to want to be giving your opponent all those creatures. So that that is a good point. Less consistent than a than an actual secret rendezvous, I would say. So, which well, is where the black one goes in. Infernal <laughs> tell offering. Us, tell us about the black one. We we kind of glossed over it. What do you like about Infernal Offering? A it's it helps you get like each player sacks right and then potentially uh, you know i love my sack outlets outlets and my edicts you get to also then draw a card two cards actually and mm -hmm. then you get to reanimate is that not great i mean it's five like, mana i don't think it's bad okay. but it's still it's it's five mana it's not like 
uh, you know, literal reanimate or something. Like, oh my god, it's so efficient. But it's, it's, it seems fine. I like that you can potentially target someone that doesn't have a creature in their graveyard, and you can right. completely minimize the drawback if you need to in some scenarios. Yeah, like you choose the the person with the problematic threat. You know, you sack some random thing that you don't care about. Like, let's say an aristocrat's deck, some random one one or something like that. One of the tokens you gave me from the green offering, uh, and then, and then, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> and then you choose an opponent who, like, much like you said, you target the control player who has like what a random auger of bolus or something, or you get someone to Steve back and you get back a big bomb. Like, I kind of love. I, I think this card is sweet in the hmm. right style of decks. It's not like like a house. But if you if you can value the edict effect and you want the reanimation effect, it's two and one. I think it's pretty sweet. And you draw cards on on top of that. I think the part that gets me is it looks like a deadly dispute that first mode or a village rights. I'm like, oh my god, this one it's like a one man spell. But you are getting your opponent as well, so it is way better than that. But just when I read it, I'm like, ah, oh, sack a thing, draw two. Like I want to be doing that for one mana, not five mana. Yeah. Five mana is like it's like you're paying for literally village. I mean, uh, whatever village rights and and zombify, right? Like that, that's yeah. Together, those okay. are the two cards that you're paying for at sorcery speed. But the sorcery speed trade off is that you choose. So, which is much better. All right, let's I mean, move I th- on. I think it's fairly costed. Let's move yeah. on to our, our last cycle. We got one more cycle, and then we got some individual cards. I think it's Richard's turn, and we're talking Hunted Cycle, one of my favorite sleeper cycles in Commander. Richard, tell us about these Hunted Creatures. All right, so Hunted Creatures are super under-costed creatures that give your opponents creatures, and there's some stipulation on them. So... Uh, Hunted Horror is black-black. It's a 7-7 trample for two mana value. When it ETBs, target opponent creates two 3-3 green centaur creature tokens with pro-black. This, this I think, is, like, by far the best Hunted card, right? Like, this one is so good. It the is green a two mana. Like a word. <laughs> the, the green one is obviously very, very solid. Like I think it's still pretty good, but like it's four mana. This is literally just two mana. Two mana. You give two mana and, seven seven trample, <laughs> and then someone yeah. gets two two centaurs. Right. Two mana seven seven trample. I think is a very good rate. <laughs> I would say so myself. And then you yes. you give somebody else two three three green whatever with with pro black. That's fine. You can deal with that at some point later but for right now you're getting a 7-7 body that's just an absurd rate and you're clocking somebody this oftentimes i just see it just take somebody's health total down to like like such a low number in by turn four right someone just took 14 by turn four and that's assuming you can't get your opponent to help you like if you play this on turn two and you both attack the same person you can hit someone for 39 damage in the course of three turns like starting on turn two like that's a lot of power and toughness being added to the battlefield in 1v1 formats with where this was designed for the pro black is a really big deal like you get a seven seven but your opponent has pro black blockers so it doesn't actually do much of anything but in a four-player format like Commander, that's not really that big of a deal. Like you can use it politically or just attack the people that don't have the pro-black thing. So, yeah, I think this card. Yeah. Is, this card's good. This card's good. I feel like this whole cycle is like underrated because it's just like it's not rated. I never see people play these cards in Commander. I think the blue one might arguably be better. I like the blue one 
quite a bit. Three mana, you get a four, six that's unblockable, and someone else gets five, one, one goblin tokens. Not quite as much power, but a three mana, four, six unblockable, throw some equipment on that or something, like that's still a pretty like legit threat. I see, I like it because yeah, it is a three mana, four, six, but more so just because it's a spirit than anything <laughs> else. Uh, the, the, the problem here is that yes, it, it's less power. It's just five one one goblins that don't necessarily have any other text, right? The others are centaurs with pro black, and I think that that can work to your benefit if you're trying to like gang up on somebody. And and if they're like a black based deck, you kind of force a sweeper or their better answer out of them, right? Because they can't get around the pro black, uh, or they they have to try to get around the pro black. This is just five vanilla one one red goblins, and a four six. It is unblockable. That is nice. But raw stats, it's just not enough damage or aggression. I think there's I a... Like, oh, go ahead, Richard. read one. That's the what I was going to say. I think you like another actually one. actually a really good one. It's a four mana, eight four with blue... Or sorry, a single green regenerate. And then uh, someone gets four one one blue fairies with flying. And the reason why this is so good is it synergizes like crazily good with green. So green has the draw cards based on power uh, cards. So for four mana, you get an eight four, right? And you also have cards like Ronus that double power. Like there's all this power matter stuff in green. Uh, you know, this this powers up, uh, what's the artifact? The, the one that draws. Oh, great hench. Great hedge. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like there, there's so much inherent synergy with this 8-4 that <laughs> I really like this. And I put this and the black one as A's, and then I think the rest are, are B's. Uh, but I think Hunted Troll can just be played in a generic deck, right? And if you're doing green things, it probably works out for you. Yeah, you got all the card draw based on power. You have stuff like flight rigging now. There are a lot of ways of that synergize. You're just having a big thing's very green. I think... I like most of them. I have them all at B or A, except for the white one. Uh, Haunted Lamasu, I'm kind of meh on. Four mana, five, five flyer. And you give someone a four, four with no abilities, a vanilla four, four. I like these cards mostly as a way to add just a huge amount of power to the battlefield. And this one just doesn't add that much. I think if you add up the power added to the battlefield of all these cards, the white one of the cycle adds the least. It's only adding a total of nine power and toughness for four mana, which is fine. But compared to like the red one, Haunted Dragon, five mana, six, six flying haste, and someone gets three two twos, then you're up to 12 power and your power is hasty. We've seen this one on Commander Clash before, and this can really close out the game quickly at the end because you get that hasty attack for six and hopefully the person you give the tokens to get in for another six that's a lot of damage to catch someone by surprise that they're not going to be expecting so do you think these cards should be more played like should people playing with their commander play group tonight like should they be reevaluating these cards as cards that maybe they should be putting in their decks oh yeah i think this these this whole cycle is pretty much underrated, except for Lamasu. I think Lamasu's terrible. I think that one's, like, stone unplayable. Uh, <laughs> like, like, like a card they would print today. A four-man yeah, yeah. by flying, like, period. Like, I don't know why there's like, any outside to it. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, like what? what is this? Like, there's, it's not that good on raw power. The token it produces doesn't do anything. I just don't like it at all. However, the troll is very good. The phantasm, still kind of medium for me. But, yeah, like, I, I think the black one by far is the best one. And then you go with the green one 
and then and then the red one. Uh, but yeah, like, oh my god, this should be this should be in in the game because of how much power you get out for the cost. If you're, we were like, you know, oftentimes Commander Clash, we we like, oh, you know, somebody needs to die faster, yada yada yada. This this is a good way to kill somebody fast at a table. You put this out on the board, there is a clock. It's very real. And you essentially, you know how we're talking about deputies and sheriffs? This is a great way to pick a deputy and sheriff in a game. Like, you're going to get make a friend out of this one way or the other. It's great for politicking, and it's just good. It's like in a vacuum, just good. Like, these cards can backfire, right? And Wizards has determined they can backfire and has severely undercosted them, which is what makes them good, right? You just need to know how to play such that they don't backfire and kill you. Whereas the the friend or foe or offering cycle, like they're they're brain dead cards, and as such, wizards has costed them appropriately. You're not getting any discount, right? You're paying basically full rate for what they're doing. But like hunted horror is two mana, thirteen power potentially, right? Even if you ignore the centaurs, it's seven seven trample. That's like an insane rate and worth like the mental gymnastics you need to go through to figure out how not to die to the centaurs. Right. And even in like 1v1, it's not even horrendous, right? Like you trample over for one, you're like net gaining something. <laughs> but, but like, yeah, it's like, one for one, it's dude, like Dees, right? Uh, it's like Dees. I don't know, but then they hit you back for six. You trample over for yeah. one, they're like, oh, smack. Yeah, but then afterwards you're trading seven <laughs> to six. Let me, let me ask you though. So let's say someone's going to play one of these cards in a commander game and they say, hey, I'll give you the tokens. But you gotta promise you won't attack me with them. Period. Not not this turn, but you just will not attack me with them. Do you say yes? I think I say yes to that every time. If you're gonna say give me six free power, like that's all that's all the deal making you need. Like I'll promise you I won't attack you. Sure, that's fine. Like by all means, give me the power. So it doesn't seem that yeah that difficult to really use them. I think someone at the table is gonna take you up on that deal. Or if you say I'll give you the tokens if you attack this person next turn. I think they'll say yes to that as well. Like, why not? It's free tokens. Why wouldn't I slam them wherever you want for one turn? And then I get the tokens left over. So I don't think it takes that much political maneuvering to actually to actually make them work. But I mean, I, I yeah, feel these cards will get banned eventually. Like, what? I think they're, they're that strong. Cool. Like, it, maybe not now, Like, but Secret Ron, like, these cards create a super unfun environment, right? Like, if you decide to team up with someone against someone, like, imagine you, like, played a land... And your opponent went before you, so they're on two mana, and then suddenly you have 13 power mm-hmm. pounding your face because you're playing, Surprise. like, you know, you're playing Lord Xander. Everyone hates Lord Xander, right? But, you know, on turn, your turn one, you're getting hit by, like, 13 power, right? You're like, this is ridiculous, right? Like, this creates a very unfun environment. So I think it's, like, trade secrets or whatever, like that that band yeah. card where, like, two players just draw their deck. Like, these were designed at a time without multiplayer and... These cards are a little broken, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I think I Hunted Horror one. might be. Yeah. You think the others are, too? Like, I I think Hunted Horror is absurd on its own. I would rate. play Hunted Troll just for the two-card combo to draw eight. <laughs> <laughs> like, play That's this and then play Garrick and draw eight. Like, I don't even need to do anything with anything else, right? Like, this, this one is really good, too. I do think uh, the, the only reason... The red one flies over the knights, too, so you can kill your opponent by giving them creatures, too. But it is, it is much so... Like, if you think about it, it's get it's getting, like, what, plus two power? Every dragon nowadays is five mana haste, 
right? So you get plus yeah, two true. on your the, the, the red so, one's starting to get power crept, but the green yeah. and black one, I think, are pretty far from being power crept. The, the black one is so far ahead for me. I, I think it is absurd in Commander. That's the only reason they're not big creatures. The only reason they're not considered uh, considered to be busted, I think, is people just they don't know about them, or they think they're bad because of sixty card formats. Like people just don't play them. If people started playing with these cards, I think people would very quickly realize how powerful they are. So throw them in your deck, except, and you will see. The, don't don't play the white one. Leave that like most cycles. Leave out the white one, but <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> Uh, all right, we, we got more cards to talk about. Let's move from the world of cycles to the world of individual cards. Krim, I think you're up next. What do you got for us? Okay, so up next, I've got a card that I personally really like. I think I'm the only one that's high on this card. It's Keen Duelist. It's a one in a black human wizard. At the beginning of your upkeep, you and target uh, or you and target opponent each reveal the top card of your library. You lose life equals the mana value of the card revealed by the other player you put you each put that card uh into your hand so it's kind of like a bob effect for you and a friend and obviously you you can definitely politic this like if you know the opponent it's just a sweet human right that can uh draw you some cards it's an it's a redundancy for your if you play bob himself in your commander deck like i do in a human's deck because i have a ton of cheap humans except for the one time i revealed the seven mana mdfc the white one (laughs) that that one hurt a lot but 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 outside of that one mdfc biting me the butt it's so rare uh it it's oftentimes used as a way to just get another bob and you can choose the opponent with the lower cmc because mm-hmm. you're getting hit by somebody with the with the uh you're getting hit with the opposing cmc and that's easy to kind of do like if you know you're playing against some kind of cantrip filled deck i'm probably going to target you so i only take one and then you know you take probably more damage and you can use this in a weird way too if the opponent's low you know what i mean you can kind of rig your deck a little bit like it's scrying <laughs> you can actually use this as a way to burn someone out like if I have like an undo inversion on top or something like that, I definitely want you to take the damage. Yeah, that's I mean, so rating wise, Krim has A, I have B, Richard has C. That's what kind of sold me on the card was like playing it with Eureka or something like decks that actively care about having high mana value stuff on the top of their deck because that can actually like pour in, a, pour in quite a bit of damage. So I think it's a, I mean, I would play this over Dark Confidant if I had to choose between the two. Yeah. I think I would rather play this in Dark Confidant in Commander in specific. That said, I don't really play Dark Confidant in Commander. It's a creature. It's going to get wrapped away, so it's not going to stick around very long. That's my biggest problem with it. Isn't the ability? It's just, I don't know, creature card draw doesn't live that long usually. But what do you think about this, Richard? You got it at a C. Yeah, but it's not offensive sucks. enough. <laughs> what? This sucks? Bob, Bob would get a C. Who's playing Bob in Commander? <laughs> Krim. And, and this one is you get randomly domed by your opponent's stuff. Like, you don't know if they have a surprise undo inversion or something in their deck, right? Like, at least with Bob, you're like, I'll make a low CMC deck to not, you know, destroy myself. But, like, just That's pay one more mana and play um, Underworld whatever. Uh, no, Firexian Arena or Underworld Connections or whatever, right? Oh. Like, something more permanent. Play painful truth. Play, play literally anything. You're you're in black. You're not <laughs> hurting for card draw. The only exception is Yuriko, right? Like, yeah, if you're gonna dome someone with this, then yes, right. It's it's part of that. But for card draw, it's a lot of work. What about for aggro? Very little card draw. 
and a very risky like oh. Russian roulette with your life total, right? Like you don't, yeah, you're not controlling great. your deck. Your <laughs> opponent too can scry <laughs> giant things to the top of their deck, right? They're like, oh, brainstorm my initiance back. How do you do, <laughs> right? Like, well, I know how I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take ten. So, <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, but that's also part of the fun, right? It's a little bit of the the Russian roulette aspect of it. Maybe because I'm like slowly trying to see if they can add more chaos cards into creature form, but but like I think it's pretty. It's like a fun design. Like it is just a fun card, and it's a cheap. It is a vanilla do nothing. You're right. It just comes down. It does nothing. But if it makes it around, some shenanigans happen. It's in humans. It's in wizards. So it's a. It's tribal is what carries it. It's like the tribes that it has attached to it. I like it. If it's I ever such... play Dark Confidant Wizard Tribal, Duelist is definitely making the cut. <laughs> yo, yo, it's also a human. It's good in humans. It's it's the truth there. It's the truth. I, I have taken a lot of damage from it. I, uh, <laughs> I I like that it adds a little bit of direct damage. Like your your humans deck might not have that reach. Like you get bored riped or something. Like and you get someone low on life. This is a way that you can theoretically just like get those last few life points. Even if you don't have a big board that you can attack with, or your opponent has blockers. Or, like got ghostly prisons or something going on. So I can see a little bit of upside there. I still don't know if I would jam it in my human deck i think i really want to be like top of the library manipulation deck to play it but i can see where you're going with it i can see where you're going all right let's let's keep moving on next up we have maybe one of the highest ranked cards uh, of our entire cast which is Skullwinder. Skullwinder, it's a it's an eternal witness a three mana one three sink with death touch when it enters a battlefield you get to return a card from your graveyard to your hand and you choose an opponent they get to put a card from their graveyard into their hand i got it as a s richard has it as a s crim has it as a b this is a card richard sold me on and this is another one like secret rendezvous when you first mentioned it this card's been around for a while but you mentioned it a couple years ago they're like i think you should just play this over eternal witness in my mind like explode and i was like no like why i want my card back from the graveyard i don't want to be giving you a card back from the graveyard why in the world would i give you free value i had the the 60 card mindset and then as i've come to play more commander and come to realize the power of giving your opponents things now i'm kind of in that place where i still play eternal witness but i think skullminder is as good and probably even honestly just better than a than eternal witness and eternal witness is literally one of the most played cards in the entire commander format it is an ultra staple richard but i should let you talk about it you're the one who came onto this card first but what do you think about skullminder so i got this card from tom mtg radio he used <laughs> to play this a lot right and it's really good and i think this is like the gateway drug into secret rendezvous yeah right? this one is yep. like you can see everything that's about to happen right you can see their graveyard right you can probably predict what they want you can instruct them to take what they want right you have full control of it right it's also just power crept um eternal witness for your side like it's a one three death touch so it actually blocks and kills things and it's mono green you can still green sun zenith and everything so I think if you are wary of these giving your opponent stuff cards, like this is the the first card. Uh, I do think it's strictly better than Ewit. I never play Ewit. I play this thing, and I might play the um, the flashback Timeless Witness or whatever. Uh, but it's a one three Death Touch, and you get to see exactly what your opponent will do, and you can ask them because you have all the information and. There's nothing scary coming off the top. You don't know what if they draw this, what if that happens. You know exactly all the information that's there in the graveyard. 
it is precisely that that I like this card. See, like the the secret rendezvous is too much unknown. <laughs> I think secret rendezvous is like significantly like worse than this card. This should be the skull winder tier list. Okay, like I I <laughs> I would oh. Seth might agree with oh. you. Oh. <laughs> because I think skull winder is actually very very solid, right? Like it is a solid creature, it is a solid body, it's a 1/3 with death touch as you had mentioned. That's legit. It's it is actually a very good blocker. And the fact that you can see it coming is entirely why I love this card. If I know what you're getting back and I know that I could politic it and I it, like a hundred percent, then yeah, this is, this is the truth, right? I, I think this is a very good card. Um, and this is especially commander. And this is another card that works out how you want it to. Uh, we were talking about earlier how it would be easy to make a deal with the hunted cycle. People are going to, sure, I won't attack you if you give me those creatures. This is another card I've seen in action many, many times in Commander Clash, where it's like you play this, and you're like, uh, hey, Seth, you got a you got a, a wrath in your graveyard. We need a wrath. You got a, gra- a wrath in your graveyard? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And Richard's like, all right, I'll play Skullrinder, and you cast it. And I'm the one spending the mana. I'm spending my turn casting the wrath. And he still get me to do it every single time, because why would you pass up the free value? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm like, yes, this is great. Like, it's it's those Jedi mind tricks. But it really, he really stops works. stops you every yeah. time, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that you know that. But it, it, it works. It so works. Good. Yeah, okay, it, it, that, it, yeah, that's the theory with all these. It's like three mana, one three death touch, time walk, Seth, <laughs> right? Wrath the board, right? Yeah, right? And get a card for myself, like crazy, right? There, there's always ways to maneuver. And then the, the the funny thing is, Seth is happy about it. I am. He I am. Like, st- I'm still I, happy. I, like, I know what rendezvous <laughs> to find the wrath anyway. Thank you I, for the free wrath, right? I, I, know, I know what you're doing now. I see it. I can see it happening, and I'm still happy about it. I know I shouldn't be, but I still am. It's a win-win. There are win-wins in Magic, Seth. We can, we can win together. You've never uh, seen someone so happy to end their turn. <laughs> but you they just time-walk themselves, right? You're yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll cast a farewell <laughs> cool you cast a farewell thank you <laughs> it does blow my mind that eternal witness 27 percent of decks on edh rex going your two two that's not that's like that's nothing like no one plays this card i think is this better than secret rendezvous i don't know like i'm kind of on the fence yes. maybe it is yes. actually but i do think this is the most underrated card on the list this being a two percent of decks is is a travis this should be eternal wetness level staple this should be one of I the first cards you be add into every green deck yeah like yes. it really should be it's cheap it's 25 <laughs> it's an uncommon it's basically free right i so think it's because yeah. people are still attached to what it was like eternal witness in a 1v1 format right and like it's mm-hmm. history as a magic card uh, but like, if you look past all of that, Skullwinder is actually just better. I think it is just better. And the, uh, people get stuck on the idea that just giving your opponent stuff is always bad when it's not in Commander. Right. Like a lot of times, it's card. good. Like most of the time, it's, it is. It is a Commander card. It is and a Death Touch is card. huge. Death Touch is yeah. super huge. Like being able to take down some big creature late in the game with your little random Eternal Witness. That's a, a huge, huge upside. But. Uh, all right, let's let's keep moving forward. We got a relatively recent mythic for. Uh, let's see. I believe this this might be Richard's last card on the list. We'll see, Richard. What do, what do you got for us? Shadrick Silverquill. Does this even count? Three <laughs> white and a black. It's a two five legendary elder dragon, flying double strike. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may choose two. Each mode must target a different player. Target player creates a 2-1 black-white inkling with flying. 
Target player draws a card and loses one life. Target player puts a plus one, plus one counter on each creature they control. I haven't seen anyone get anything from this other than the owner drawing a card and putting a plus one plus one counter on a non-existent creature of someone else. <laughs> yeah. Does this, does this really count as a secret rendezvous card? It does. Ah. It do- Why do you think I love that? Okay. Go, go, go through the ratings, Richard. Go through the ratings. Go through the ratings. All right. All right. Okay. Uh, a from me. Seth. Uh-huh. A. Krim S. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Krim loves it. Why do you love it so much, Krim? It's, I have it as a commander. I think it's a like there there are so many things that are are right about this card. We just talked a lot about like the hunted cycle, right? Giving somebody a body, you know, like get increasing the board like presence uh super quick. This does that. Not only that, but uh, the biggest thing is this card triggers at the beginning of combat on your turn. So you will immediately get something after casting this as long as it doesn't get countered or removed. So you can immediately draw a card for yourself. Give somebody next to you on the turn cycle a two one and slow. It, it's not as much power as the hunted cycle like up front, but over time you get to just keep doing this. And then you, it's super flexible. I can give you power. I keep growing my board. We keep like the the board power just keeps growing. It itself has double strike. So if I give a, a, a one one counter immediately, this is now six damage coming in. Somebody to the left of me is getting a two one. And if I really like wanted to knock someone out i can give someone else's board a bunch of one ones you know what i mean like it's a build your own hunted kind of like thing on a commander that has a very good body and like that's if you choose to have it as a commander you can just reoccur this over and over as a card in the 99 it kind of does what the hunted cycle does anyways obviously it's not a fit like cheap costed like a hunted horror it's not two mana it is five but the upside of this is much like holy cow it is very very good if it stays like you just you you only gotta let it like stay around a turn or two or even get to your combat and it's already solid because you've drawn a card (laughs) yeah yeah it's cycled and you've given something out so like i i am all for this as a card in the 99 and or like and it's even better as a commander i have it as a commander i think it's amazing and most orzov decks can abuse the abilities because you're some form of aristocrats and or you know you you like draining maybe you're a token deck you know whatever it is i feel like this card is very orzov and that's why it works in almost any orzov deck that wants creatures yeah i mean it's just it's really good value i don't know if it counts as a does it count as a secret rendezvous is that a stretch i mean i feel like it it, it kind of does, but there's ways you can, I guess, work around it by targeting the player that is going to be least beneficial. But how's that any different than targeting the mana screwed player with with your secret rendezvous because they can't take advantage of the card? So I think it actually yeah, counts. Or, or the player with no graveyard with skull. Mm, right? So here's like, why it doesn't count because you get basically a two five flying double strike, and you get to draw a card, and your opponent gets a two one white black. <laughs> Creature like it's not symmetrical it's like so in your favor even if you have to give someone something so yes it's technically but it's like if secret rendezvous was like i draw five you draw one like technically okay like it's so in my favor that's amazing like this card is amazing right it's but it's like really well costed and like it's hard to screw up like it's so in your favor that it's hard to make this bad right like you you accidentally Someone's Sylvan offering gave you like one ones or something, and then you put the one one counters, and you got killed because you put it on the wrong. Like I don't know how you screw this up, right? Like it's usually pretty easy to to get this to do what you want it to do. So 
it is true that it has it does have a, a a reasonable body that can't even grow from its own ability. So yeah, I, I guess yep. that does change it a little bit and does uh, break the symmetry on it. Where sure you're benefiting both Skull players, but you're the one that punch. has the the huge <laughs> you get the huge body. I mean, Shatterick is like a legit threat though. Like especially if you put some of its counters on it, that thing can kill people pretty yeah. quick. I think it's a good oh, card yeah. though. Like it's it's definitely a good card, and I think it's cool because. If you look at our list, like we got a lot of white and black cards on there. That's the color of Secret Rendezvous. That's the color of like Hunted Horror, a Flump, which we're not going to talk about. Some of the other cards that we haven't gotten to yet. So if you want to build like Secret Rendezvous Tribal, you actually got like the perfect commander. Like Shatterg is a way to go if you want to jam all these cards together and uh, build that style of deck, which I think is cool. All right, next up, Krim. What is uh? What is your last card on the list? All right, so the last card on my list uh, is Master of Ceremonies. It's three and a white. It just came out recently, I think, in the Capenna uh, Commander mm-hmm. decks. Uh, at the beginning of your uh, upkeep, each opponent chooses money, friends, or secrets. <laughs> uh, for each player who chose money, you and that player each create a treasure token. For each player that chose friends, you and that player each create a 1-1 one, one, uh, green and white citizen token. And for each person that chose secrets, you and that player each draw a card. So you kind of get to go around the table, right? And you let them choose. But I feel like quite often the, the opponent chooses, right? The so opponent the chooses opponent on chooses, this one. Yep. Are they not just going to give you, a, like, a bunch of citizens? No, no, because <laughs> like, they, they would have citizens. Like, they would they also the have card to right, a bunch right. of You get the card draw, right? Right, yes, but, but why would I want you to draw cards and a treasure? Like, like I, I think it's, like, it's still beneficial. Like, it's not a bad card. I just feel like quite often you're getting a, a citizen out of this, which is still pretty decent because then you're getting a pretty big board, but it's canceled out by their own citizens. <laughs> uh, but but I, I think this card, personally, I gave it a B. Uh, and then we have Richard who gave it a C and then Seth gave it an A. Like, I don't think it's like awful. I just don't know if it's like anything above average. It is, I guess, okay at four mana. I don't know. It just, it feels okay. So I, I might be overrating it. I will say this is a card that's not on Magic Online, so I haven't got to play with it firsthand. But when I read this card, it seems like a lot of repeatable value. Like, once you get down the battlefield, every turn, you're getting some combination of three card draws, tokens, or treasure, uh, one, one tokens or treasure tokens for nothing, just for doing nothing. Yes, your opponents are benefiting, but you're going to be getting a token or a card for each thing your opponent does. So you're benefiting way more. Like, the whole table is going to get three one ones. You're going to get three one ones every turn so you are coming out ahead in that exchange over the long run i think that it could be a pretty good card into crim's question about aren't they just going to pick citizen tokens like if you played with me i would be picking card draw there's got to be other people who are like me that are just like not going to pass up the opportunity to draw a card or you're going to need the person who's mana screwed and is like you know i don't want to do this i know it's probably better to give you a citizen but i just really need the treasure token so i'm going to take the treasure token so i think you'll get non-citizen tokens maybe a little bit more than it looks at first glance a is maybe a little bit aggressive. B is maybe the right rating for it. Maybe I should downgrade it a little bit. But this is a card that I'm really intrigued by, and think has a lot of. Uh, I think it has a lot of potential. But what do you think about this one, Richard? I want to play this. It's not available on Moto. I put it as a C because 
like your opponent chooses, right? So you're hoping that your incentives align with your opponent, so you both want to draw cards, or like, what if you need a chump blocker, right? Maybe they're not going to give you creatures. But the biggest thing is it dies to Doomblade, right? You play this thing, yeah. you have to wait for it to come all the way around back to you, and then you get the card draw or the whatever, right? It's not like on your opponent's upkeep, they choose and you get something incrementally. So it's a bit risky to play a four drop that dies to the next sweeper that hits before your turn and you untap. So I don't know. I don't think it's good, but maybe it's fine. Like if if it works the way you think it works, like you play Masters of Ceremonies, you untap from your upkeep. Yes, you, you know, you... What's, it's not Secret Rendezvous. What's the new... It's like you draw three, each opponent draws one. Right? Oh, yeah. And that happens every turn. I'm like, that's that's decent. Like, I play yeah. this, right? But I don't know that it'll work like that. I think when you want the cards, you're going to get some random treasures and one ones, or it'll <laughs> die to a sweeper or something. Like, you're going to pay four mana and do nothing. So I don't know. It could be good, but we need to actually play it. We need a petition. Watsy to put get it on Modo. Master of Ceremonies. Get it on Moto. I will. I will say you to put it to a Legacy deck. Seth, come on. <laughs> yes, I will. I will break Legacy with Master of Ceremonies. Give me a minute, and uh, and then we'll get it on Moto. <laughs> it's too expensive. I think that's the thing, right? Like we were talking, for example, Master uh, the 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 Keen Duelist, right? It was mentioned that that's that does nothing until my turn, right? But yeah. that's two mana. I'm willing to invest two mana. This is four mana hope that i get it back to my turn the upside is that it's not offensive enough to immediately sweep the board or something like that i don't think is that is that an upside your card's so bad that works like yeah. you know in a game of commander to not immediately assume that, like every it, if you only play bombs that immediately pull aggro you're gonna definitely die right this this is very not threatening <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, that's how Richard wins most of his games. Like, I'm just the bird player. Like, don't worry about me. Yeah. And then next thing we know, we're all dead. <laughs> but the birds yeah. are good. <laughs> what is this master of ceremonies going to? I will say it's a it's a bummer. You got to wait till the upkeep. I'm actually a little bit surprised that it doesn't trigger end step or a lot of cards these days. It's beginning a combat or end step, so you get that value right away. This one is worded pretty safely, where it does have to have to make it all the way around the table, which. That's not a guarantee. That's not a guarantee. Even if people aren't focusing on killing this, there's just so many rasts that are played that, like, there's a decent chance it ends up getting getting sniped by accident as people are trying to deal with the rest <laughs> of the board. So, if I still want to play it, though, though, this would be a little too. I, I think this would be very, very different. If oh, this each was upkeep on would each be broken. Upkeep. Oh, that would be right. That, yeah. that would probably be broken if it was every upkeep. But if it was my end step, so you get the first value right away, like that, that would probably be fine. But. Yeah. All right, we got we got one more card. Our last card from the day. It's basically another secret rendezvous. That's actually another new addition to our list. In Wedding Ring, another card that's not a moto, unfortunately, but a card that I really want to play with. So Wedding Ring, a four-mana artifact. Uh, it's white. And then when it enters a battlefield, an opponent gets a copy of it. Boom. An opponent gets a copy of it. And then whenever an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring draws a card during their turn, you draw a card. And whenever an opponent who controls an artifact named Wedding Ring gains life during their turn, you gain that much life. So essentially, it's like a, a permanent secret rendezvous. I play this. I give Richard the copy of it. When Richard draws his card for the turn, I'm going to get to draw a card. Or if he draws extra cards during his turn. But then when I draw a card during my turn, Richard will also get to draw a card. 
is this card actually good? It's so tricky to actually evaluate without having played it. We all have it as C's, but this is actually a pretty like expensive. It's like a $20 card. It's kind of hyped. A lot of people have been talking about it. So we wanted to talk about it, even though we got it as C's. What do you guys think about Wedding Ring? Are, are we missing something? Because people seem to love this card, but we got it ranked relatively lowly, uh, low, honestly. I I feel like I'm ranking it kind of high. <laughs> it's I, I don't out of respect for the viewers that keep talking about. Yeah, you gave it a C. This is for it the viewers. Be a D. Yeah, like this is for the viewers. I, I I give it a C because I don't get it. I don't see why this is as expensive as it is. Uh, it must be low print or something like that. Uh, b- but like if I didn't like Secret Rendezvous, which is constantly drawing my opponent's cards, or which is drawing my opponent three cards. This is constantly drawing them cards, right? Whenever I draw cards, I I guess like it is nice to know that like I can kind of like mooch off of you, but you mooch off of me. So we kind of just have to make like it's in a weird way. It forces both players to kind of play honest magic, like the pay the one kind of magic. <laughs> I'll pay the one if you pay Not the one. Happening. Well, if, if exactly like I know that if I add this to Seth, he's gonna draw fifty cards. <laughs> so like with or without like worrying about anything. So am I missing something? Because this just seems like four mana for something that. I don't know. You kind of just chain yourself to somebody at the table. I feel like the idea is that you play this in, like, a white aggro deck or something, and you're supposed to play this and give it to the uh, the card draw player, the person who's storming off with their Niv or, like, whatever, going to town with their Painter Monocons and Moldrifters, and in theory, you should benefit way more because they're going to be drawing a ton of extra cards, and you're not going to be drawing a ton of extra cards. Whether or not that's enough to make it good at four mana... I'm not really sure that it is, but I think that's the, that's the one scenario where I could actually see it being pretty good. Like in that scenario where my deck doesn't draw cards and you have someone else at the table that does draw a lot of cards, you're going to benefit way more over the course of time. I don't know. But at the same time, like secret rendezvous is three mana and you just get your three cards right away. There's no risk. There's no waiting. There's no anything. It seems worse than, uh, than secret rendezvous to me, but what do you think, Richard? You're the expert here. So I've never played this. I don't know, but every time we talk about Secret Rendezvous, people in the comments, I was like, "Oh, what a wedding ring! It's so good!" And it's a twenty dollar card or whatever, right? It's like seventeen dollars. I didn't know it was twenty dollars. I, 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 I do not understand. Box. Like, I, I've <laughs> I've seen people say you, uh, you kill your opponent's copy, so it's like non symmetrical, right? Or sure. you like give multiple people wedding rings, so then you're drawing off everyone. It's a lot of work for card draw, right? <laughs> like, if not, right. they're not doing anything special, it's like a four mana Phyrexian Arena, maybe, right? So, I don't know. It's like a lot of work. And you go through all of it that. It can backfire, can... like, really badly, right? And, and yeah. your opponents can draw instant speed. Like, you don't necessarily, like, you could have the Storm player just, like, draw instant speed and, like, totally negate any benefit to you. I don't understand you can't even secret rendezvous them because it's like during their turn so like i don't even know you can temple attack them i guess but this is a lot of work for card draw i don't think we need this but i don't know people really like this card i I just someone needs to tell me what's the what's the deal with this (laughs) yeah if if you're watching on youtube explain to us why wedding ring is good in the comments because we've been trying to figure it out i will say i feel like and it sounds weird to say this but 
White's gotten so much good card advantage lately that I don't know if you need this card. Like, we no longer in the days where it's like, I gotta play Mind's Eye in every single mono white deck, because I just don't have any other options. Like, we have Secret Rendezvous, we have uh, Attack Your Temple, whatever that card is. We have a bunch of other options, so this to me is maybe a card that, like, five years ago, before Wizards started supporting white, I'd be like, oh, I'm gonna play this in every white deck just because... I don't have an option. Like, I got to draw a card somehow, and this will get the job done. But now I think we have enough other options that maybe you just don't need Wedding Ring. I can't see the the janky idea of, like, building around it and getting a bunch of copies going, that sounds fun, but that's a little different than a secret rendezvous. Like, just playing this as a value card draw spell or whatever. If you want to go all in on building around it, that sounds kind of neat, but... I don't know. Then you're not talking about just a random card draw slot. You're talking about, you know, your hidden commander or something, which is a a little bit different. But I don't know. Maybe we're missing something. Maybe we're missing something. But It's so expensive. We have to be missing something. Like, people... People are happily playing this and spending like so much money for it, right? I mean, I yeah. will, I, I will say it, it was a set booster exclusive. I think so that probably plays into it. But there's a lot of other oh. set booster exclusives that are not not twenty dollars. So yeah, so that's then, part then of why it's more expensive. But yeah, Be- because it, yeah, the, I've I've read that you know just kill it. But like I just went. And played like seven cards to kill it and then now you can just easily okay well now that you've expended all these resources i'll just blow up your wedding ring oh my goodness you want to hear something something mind-blowing it's played in two percent of decks according to edh rack which means it is uh i think is popular skull winder somehow wedding ring versus skull winder wedding ring is uh it's just as played it's what gotta be it, wrong I think you know what it is i think it's gotta be meme value it's gotta be the <laughs> meme value that's that's yep. the People are, like, proposing I, to their, yeah. you know, whatever, significant <laughs> others, and they got to get the wedding ring, and that's driving up the price. Okay, okay, I can yeah, see like that. Yeah, like, this is, like, more, I, I believe this is for off the the, the battlefield, of, like, effect, right? Like, like I'm talking, like, IRL, this is a cute meme, I'm going to give this to my partner, right? I, okay. Miss, I miss you, babe, love you. I believe that, I believe that. Yo, my partner gave me this and it's trash. Do you not love me? Why are you giving me a money ring? Do you not love me? Give me some hunted horror tokens. Anything. And that's and that's how they got divorced. <laughs> Give them a wedding ring. I'm so insulted by this. I can't believe you gave this to you. Do you not love me anymore. <laughs> and uh well, I think on that note, that's probably the the perfect place to uh, wind up our podcast. So you get to hear about magic cards and about uh, about love. You get to learn a little yeah, bit of everything yeah. on the Commander Clash <laughs> podcast. So that brings us to the end of our tier list for Secret Rendezvous. Cards that give you and an opponent something. Like usual, we'll paste uh, copy and paste the whole list into the article. So uh, check that out if you want to see all our rankings. There's a couple other cards we didn't get to, although honestly, we covered almost all of them. There's not that many Secret Rendezvous in Magic. There's a bunch of group hug cards that benefit everyone, but not that many cards that just are you and one opponent. So check out our full rankings. Of course, let us know what you think about these cards. About Wedding Ring, what are we missing there? And all the other cards. Are these cards underrated? Where are you at with the Hunted Cycle? Should we be playing them more? Do you have a favorite card that we missed? Let us know about that as well. And of course, 
if you need a fancy new playmat and want to support the podcast and the stream and the channel and the site, head over to mtgoldfishmerch.com before the end of July. Pick up your playmat. It looks spectacular. So thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for hanging out, Richard and Krim. It's super fun. Uh, Tomer will be back next cast, presumably with functioning internet. So look forward to that as well. Uh, on that note, everyone, have a good one. And this is the crew signing out.